0: Um, Peace is a word that's thrown a lot around uh, during Christmas, and uh, peace is often pretty elusive. Um, A few years ago, the New York Times did a study, and they looked through all of recorded history, so about 3,400 years, and they found that there had been peace in about 238 of them. And um, so about, like, 8%. Not bad. And uh, as much as I want to critique the entire world, I started thinking about my life, and I uh, realized I'm probably batting about the same. Uh, I know for the 10 of my first 13 years of life, I was not at peace with my little brother, and, uh, and I'm three years older than him, so you can do the math. From age 14 to 17, I was mostly at odds with my mom. From 18 to 20, I feel like I was probably a little bit at odds with God. And at 21, I met this girl, Catherine. And uh, you probably think that's where the peace began. Actually, that whole 21st year of my life, I had to fight getting dumped three times. Um, But your boy came back a fourth, so here I am. (laughs) She loves when I um, share that stat. Uh, peace is really difficult to come by, and um, I don't think I'm alone. And the, the most basic dictionary definition of peace is um, stillness or quiet. The most usable definition that we find in the world is um, the absence of conflict. And so the absence of conflict is both really difficult to achieve and, in a lot of ways, really exhausting to pursue. And the biblical definition of peace is something even so much more deep. Because the biblical definition of peace, when we see that, the, the Hebrew and the Greek word, it is way more than the absence of conflict, but it is completion, it's wholeness, it's alignment with yourself, with others, and with God. So much more difficult to have. And so, if the absence of conflict is difficult to achieve, how much more rare is wholeness and completion in today's world? And um, if that's true, then this near impossible state is the thing that Isaiah, in Isaiah 9-6, prophesied that Jesus would be the prince of. Because he wasn't saying that Jesus would be the prince of the absence of conflict. Isaiah was saying, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, the coming Messiah, would be the prince of wholeness of completion, of shalom. And so it's um, with that in mind uh, that I want to really quickly, because you know it wouldn't be Christmas without some like Old Testament prophecies and Hebrew culture, right? And if you're new here, I promise this won't take long. But to, in order to really grasp what Isaiah was writing about, there's a little bit going on in the world at that time that I think makes this actually really, really fascinating. So 150 years before Isaiah wrote the book of... Isaiah, the the kingdom of God was split into two. There's a divide the north and the south. The north was called Israel. The south was called Judah. And to define the south in a very basic term, the south was, I would say, confused and afraid. They were very confused. If you look at their life throughout the history of the Old Testament, they were confused which God they should follow, and they were afraid because most of the other countries around them were bigger and constantly threatening them. They were confused and afraid. The northern kingdom, however, knew a little bit more about who they were. They were just bad. (laughs) They, I mean, they they weren't going back and forth over these gods, the god. They mostly went after other gods. And if you look at the history of the northern kingdom, they were almost always at war with someone. there was always something going on that they were not at peace with God and they were not at peace with other countries. And so that's the context of which Isaiah's writing in the north specifically had no peace, and the northern kingdom also, if we can be a little bit um, judgy, they probably didn't deserve peace. Like, they were the ones that caused a lot of strife um, for the people around them. And so if you read Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 9, again, there were no chapter breaks when he was writing this, this is basically one whole work, writing to that situation at that time. And so much of Isaiah 8 is Isaiah writing to the southern kingdom, saying, The north will get what they have coming to them. They will not attack you, they will not overtake you. Don't worry, I'm going to deal with the north. And then in chapter 9, it's like God turns a page and he starts still writing to the south, but he starts breathing a little bit of hope about what the north might one day become. And so that's the context in which the, the, first, the chapter 9, the first verse, comes out of, where Isaiah says, nevertheless, so he's already prophesied doom, and they're not going to get what they, um, what they want, they're going to get what they deserve, uh, the north is going to eventually be taken over by someone else because they have turned their backs on me, and then he says this in Isaiah 9:1, nevertheless, there will be no, no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. We'll talk about that in a second. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And I know it's a busy time of year, but I'm sure most of us have been studying some ancient Israel maps. Just in case you haven't, though, I'll let you know Zebulun and Naphtali were the northern part of the northern kingdom. It was around this big body of water called the Sea of Galilee, so the area was also called Galilee. So when Isaiah's writing, it's both, it's both Galilee and Zebulun and Naphtali. They are one and the same. And so when Israel, the northern kingdom, was picking on other countries, often they would come from the north. So guess who got the brunt of the violence that the, the, that part of the kingdom um, triggered? It was the northern part of the northern kingdom or Zebulun and Naphtali or Galilee. So this was a land specifically that was constantly ravaged by war and so that's who Isaiah is writing and referencing when he says but there is coming a day that peace will come and he specifically calls out a land that was plagued with conflict and strife and he says actually it's going to be that piece of land that will one day be honored among the nations now this is like a really cute thing to say in 2022 but I want you to think how crazy it was that Isaiah prophesied that before Jesus ever came. Because we know Jesus came from Galilee, and he said 700 years before to a, to a part of the country that was ravaged with war, he says, actually one day there is coming one to you and for you and out of you that's going to be the Prince of Peace. I think it's bizarre that Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, called that out. And all of this is leading to the verse that we've been going through really slowly through the whole month of December that says, Isaiah 9 6, kind of the apex of that chapter, that says, For to us a child is born. Not everyone loves Old Testament history. I get it. I'm so sorry. For to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father prince of peace. And we've talked a lot for the last three weeks, if you've been here on Sundays, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. That phrase, those phrases would have meant a whole lot to the southern kingdom that was constantly afraid. Because what more do you need when you're afraid than a a father that brings security, a mighty God to guard you, and a counselor that says, I'm going to be there every step of the way. But I actually believe it's the last name that probably would have triggered and gotten the attention of the northern kingdom more than any of the first three. Because the Prince of Peace was something that they did not know. The the Peace was not something that had ever come to them. And war-torn Galilee would have read their name and saw that they were called out in this, and they would have been shocked to see that the Prince of Peace was not just going to come to them, but he was actually going to come from them. And this isn't, again, it's the word shalom. This isn't the Prince of No Conflict there is a prince coming that's going to bring wholeness, completion, and alignment with you, with others, and with God. And I'm guessing as the northern kingdom read that and heard that prophecy, they thought, man, that's crazy. I mean, that, that is like the peace we've always wanted. That's the peace we've longed for since the very first day that we became a nation, and we have yet to have it. And it's the same peace, I think, even 2,700 years later, that we would say, man, I would really love that. I would love to be aligned fully with myself, with others, and with God. I would love to have true peace and wholeness. I'd love to feel complete in every sense of the word. And Isaiah said, the Prince of Peace is coming, and he's going to bring that very thing that you've been longing for. And he said it first and foremost to the northern kingdom, an area that had never really known peace. And what was interesting is that the Prince of Peace was announced... Not first to the peaceful, but to the violent. So interesting that that's who gets called out in Isaiah 9 first. And when he called out the Prince of Peace, he called it out to a people that were full of strife and conflict and confusion. And years, or 700 years later, the angels did almost the same thing when they came and announced the actual birth of Jesus. And they announced a similar thing of peace, and they did it in a field to some shepherds. And they said this in Luke two fourteen. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Again, that peace is completion, it's wholeness, it's alignment with yourself, with others, and with God. But it's interesting that the angels say that this peace is actually only for whom his favor rests upon. What the angels were saying is that this peace is is reserved for anyone who would convert this mysterious, miraculous baby into the king of their life. So it's not just for a certain segment of the population. It's available to all if you would take this crazy story, this crazy happening, and if you would make this baby the king of your heart and the king of your life. The angels are saying that's to whom favor is going to rest. That's to whom peace is going to be available Peace is reserved for those that receive the favor of God that gives that to them. And so um, during Christmas, it's always good to just remember whether you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, you're not quite sure, um, if this baby is just a baby, this baby that we keep talking about, if this story is just a story, if this prince is simply just another prince, then peace is likely going to be elusive in our lives. But if this baby, if this story, and if this prince eventually becomes your king, then everything will change. Favor is available, peace is here. And we want to, just for a moment, we want to acknowledge that the Prince of Peace has drawn near. And if wholeness and completion and shalom are available to the northern part of the northern kingdom, I promise it's available to you. No one was more undeserving, Or unsuspecting than those people to receive peace, yet that's who peace was announced to first. That's the miracle of Christmas, that once elusive peace has actually drawn near, and that is worth celebrating. And if you're not quite sure if this baby has become more than just a baby, if the story is more than just a story, if this prince is just another prince, I would beg you this Christmas to consider what it would look like to fully follow Jesus, because peace will continue to be elusive if that baby, if that God, does not also become your king. If that is you, if you want um, to know what that looks like, we will, for the rest of service, have people in the back available to pray. Also, if you just want more peace in your life, if peace has started to wane, the angels have said that peace is available for all of us. And so we also want to pray. You don't have to be in a crisis to get prayer, but we want to ask the Prince of Peace to draw near but for the rest of us, um, we're going to take, again, just the rest of this service, and we're going to push aside any striving, any shame, any busyness that has plagued us, and we're going to say, man, this if this is true, for those of us that say this is true, this is really worth celebrating. It's crazy that peace is available not just to the peaceful, but to the violent. It's crazy that completion is available to us. It's crazy that wholeness is drawing near. And so um, if we could stand and we're going to sing joy to the world. The angels didn't just come and say that peace is available, but they came and they said that joy is available and it's joy to the world. And before we um, remind the world that he has come near, before we remind some of our family that we might gather with this week, I want to first take a moment for all of us to just remind our souls that joy is here, that joy is here has drawn near, because this is a moment that we get to first tell ourselves, I don't want the gospel to be something that I just get to preach on a Sunday morning, I want to remind myself of the gospel regularly, and I want us just for a moment, as we sing joy to the world, to celebrate the fact that peace has drawn near and that joy is available. So we're going to stand, and we're going to sing, and we're going to believe That if God said it, that it's true. And joy and peace are available for all of us that put our trust in him. Again, prayer is going to be available in the back. But we want to celebrate because joy has come near.